0: Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody give the shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 Amen. It is exciting to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In the presence of God here today. Amen. Amen. How many is excited to be living for Jesus? Amen. There is no greater life that you can live than to live for the Lord. Amen. And we are so blessed to be able to live for Jesus that he has given us life. Everybody said amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's. Go in our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter six. We're going to be recapping last week's lesson. And I've got a couple questions here. I mean, as you turn open to Genesis chapter six and verse number eight, and just kind of keep your, your hand, your your bookmark in Genesis chapter six. We're going to stay in that area for the next little bit. Amen. Praise God! I got a couple questions. One of the questions I got was uh, during one of our Bible studies, we talked about sin having a consequence, and can the can the guilt of sin be the consequence? Also, uh, if you don't see a consequence, is there still a consequence? Well, uh, as we've talked about before, the wages or the payment, the ultimate consequence of sin is death, and so that is both a physical death and a spiritual death. The Bible says there is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And so if you, Jesus said it this way, except a man is born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. So you have a decision to make when it comes to sin. You can either be born once and die twice, because the Bible talks about being cast in the lake of fire, which is the second death, or you can make a decision... That even though I've sinned, I'm going to have my sins washed away in the waters of baptism. And the Bible says we are born again. So you can either choose to live once, to be born once, and to die twice. Or you can choose to be born twice and only die once. And somebody said, praise the Lord. So that is, that is how we overcome the consequence of sin. But sometimes, uh, not that it's a consequence from God, but it is a reaction from sin. And this is condemnation. Condemnation is a result of sin. The Bible says Adam and Eve were naked and they knew it now that they had sinned and they hid themselves. And so it causes many consequences that we don't always see, but it's separation from God. There are consequences uh, such as feeling condemned or feeling guilty about something. David put it this way. He, he said that when he sinned and he didn't repent right away, that his bones were, were, were like on fire for an entire year. Now that's that's just a metaphor of how things really were. But what he's saying is I was restless and I couldn't sleep. And when somebody has a conscience that is still open and a heart that's still open to God. After they sin, guilt will weigh on them. And and, and until we get it under the blood of Jesus, it's going to continue to weigh on us and keep us up. And everybody said amen. So best thing you could do about any consequence of sin before there is a consequence. Is immediately take it to the throne of grace. Amen. the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. So if you failed God, if you have a need, you can go to Jesus and he'll take care of that. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, will you please cover grace as a lesson? Well, I've, I'll, I'll probably recap that a little bit, but that, that was already the lesson last week. So if you need to hear it again, go back and listen to it. And uh, another question we got that's in line with our Bible say tonight. Somebody said, help me to understand how Noah could have had a wicked imagination... And be a preacher of righteousness. He was preaching while preparing the ark. Now that's leading us right into what we're going to talk about tonight. But let me just answer that question real quickly. Anytime you get a question in a Bible study, if you can answer it quickly, go for it. If not, uh, set it aside for a later time and come back to it. But that's something that we can answer quickly. The Bible says that the imagination of everyone's heart was evil continually. And the thoughts of man's heart was wicked continually. That includes Noah. That includes his family. The Bible would even put it out this way. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody has the propensity for the greatest evil. It's inside of us. The, the, the nature of sin is inside of each of us. And the same question that could be asked for Noah. If Noah had a wicked imagination, how could he be a preacher of righteousness? The same question be asked is, why am I up here talking to you? Amen. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've got a simple answer, and that's called forgiveness. The Bible says, and such were some of us, but we are washed, we are cleansed, we are justified. I want to tell you that there's none of us without the grace and the mercy of God that would ever have the opportunity. This is why the Bible says that God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. What is foolish about preaching? It's the fact that I, as a sinful man, just as fallen as you are, would tell other fallen, sinful men what they've got to do to be saved. Amen. Think about that for a moment. It is by the foolishness God chose to use broken men to go and help save other broken men. You know, somebody put it best that Christianity is simply this. It's one beggar telling all the other beggars where they found bread. And the only difference between Noah and the rest of his generation is that he received grace. Amen. That even in the midst of all of this stuff. Now, we could we could better word that question, how did he become a preacher of righteousness? Because uh, I, I refute the idea that, that Noah is better than the rest of us. That Noah was just born a preacher of righteousness. No, he... He he grew up disobeying his parents just like everybody else. He grew up lying, cheating, and stealing just like everybody else. But there came a God moment and a God connection where the grace of God appeared to him. And Noah received the grace that appeared to him. That leads us into our recap for this lesson. Genesis 6 and 8, the Bible says this. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God announced his plan that he was going to destroy the world. And we talked about grace last week, and for the sake of those that were not here and those that maybe would like to understand it better, I've got a question, what is grace? Is grace, uh, this most famous word that we use all the time in church circles and even outside of church circles, grace has become a band-aid. Grace has become what people are now saying, well, you can't judge me because I'm under grace. It's a misunderstood religious word grace is not a band-aid grace is not a blanket grace is a teacher we talked about it Titus 2 and 11 through 12 for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world it is our responsibility That when grace appears, we must receive grace. And the only way we receive grace is we take what it has taught us and we do something with it. Grace appears to all men, but not all men receive the message of grace. The grace of God is not effective in your life without obedience to the message. Which leads me right into what we're going to really talk about tonight. Uh, Now, some people go, well, Pastor, why don't we just hurry up through these lessons? Because what we're seeing in the first few chapters of Genesis is is, is really the Genesis of all theology. It is the beginning of all theology. And everything that we talk about and teach from here will stem from the first few chapters of Genesis. So I'm taking my time, especially when it comes to something like Noah. Many people would say, well, I went to Sunday school. I know all about Noah. We've got a nursery back here painted like Noah's Ark. But they didn't paint it biblically; they painted it with uh, with with a couple of giraffes and a couple of lions. And but but if you really study out the, the story of Noah, you're going to see it's a story of judgment. I don't, I've always wondered why people put their nurseries with uh, with the story of Noah and his ark. Amen. Uh, but anyways, we'll we'll go off of that. God told Noah some startling news. He said he was going to destroy the entire world by a flood. And Noah's family would escape the catastrophe, and they would reestablish the human race. Exact blueprints were given for constructing the escape vehicle. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Genesis, chapter 6. And verse 14. The Bible says this, make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms thou shalt make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and pitch it without. And this is the fashion that you should make of it. The length of it shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height 30 cubits. A window thou shalt make in the ark, a cubit thou shalt finish it above. The door of the ark thou shalt set in the side thereof, with the lower, second, and third stories thou shalt make it. Verse 17, and behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. That is the pronouncement of judgment upon the world. Amen. But verse 18, he says, but with thee, I will establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And we will stop right there because we can read the rest of it. But he says that I want you to build an ark. I want you to build a large boat. Exact blueprints were given for constructing the escape vehicle, the salvation vehicle. Noah had to build an extremely large boat or an ark. A better example is it's a giant barge. It wasn't beautiful. I love how somebody put it. They said it was experts that built the Titanic. But it was just a man of God that built an ark. Amen. Uh, And and one of them sunk and one of them didn't. Uh, But Noah was told detailed examples. Now, we don't exactly know what a cubit was. We are going to have to kind of take our best stab at it. But approximately, if you like the numbers, the ark was about 450 feet by 75 feet by 45 feet of a structure. Uh, Many of you can go off. I believe it's in Kentucky and you can see. An example, they they tried with modern technology to rebuild what they think the ark looked like. It is a massive, massive structure. But God gave him plenty of time to build this barge. He gave very specific details. You know, somebody said the devil's in the details. I I, I don't know about all that, but I do know God is into details. And you could talk about this. And again, this is the genesis of all theology and all doctrine. For those who would say, "Well, God does—does does God really care about?" And you fill in the blank. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. God cares about everything. Amen. God's in the details. He cared what type of wood Noah used—not oak, not cedar, gopher wood. He should have used gophers. Amen. <laughs> Saved a couple more, but he—he he said, "I want specific wood. I want specifically." For you to build one window and one door. And when you make this ark, make it by these dimensions. Don't mess it up. Amen. You've got to build it according to the pattern which I show you. Amen. This was a heavenly pattern that God gave to a man, to a mortal. This is the typology of salvation and doctrine. Amen. You can't build Uh, Your life upon a foundation of philosophy. You've got to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. We cannot build life according to what other people think or what we think. It's not moral relativity. We must build our lives exactly how God's word has said it. Because if you and I are going to survive the judgment and the storm, we've got to build it according to the word. Not our opinions. Not what we would like to do. Well pastor does this really matter? Absolutely. Everything matters. In this ark he God had prepared it that there would be light and ventilation that they would have this window. This one window. You ever thought that was that always intrigued me that God would make there to be one window. Now, some might say that this window, it, it, it went all the way across the ark in the top floor. I don't know about that. I, I just have to believe that when the Bible says there was one window, there was one window. This was being built kind of like a submarine. It didn't want any water getting in. So the, the ventilation was limited. They had to live on an airtight boat with a bunch of animals. I'm going to talk for just a little bit to the church. Amen. They had to stay on the boat with a bunch of farm animals. And these animals weren't taking showers every day. And Noah's family wasn't taking showers. This wasn't an RV. This was an ark. Amen. For one year and 17 days, they had to be with this low light, this dark place. It seemed to be impossible without having a little bit of light and a little bit of fresh air. Amen. Why one window though? You ever thought about that? Why would God want there to be one window, not two, not three, not five, not one for each person in the family? Not this ain't a cruise boat. This one window meant there was one avenue of illumination. There was one avenue where light could permeate, where light could come through. There was one avenue of revelation. Can I just give you the New Testament understanding of this? Jesus is the light of the world. He's not a light. He's not some light. He is the light. That means all revelation comes through Jesus. Amen. Somebody put it best. Jesus is perfect theology. If you want to know anything about the invisible God, you just look at the express image of his person, Jesus Christ. If you want to know anything about the way God is, the way God acts, you just see how Jesus interacted while he was in earthly human form. He was the perfect illumination. John put it this way, that light came into the world and the darkness could not comprehend it. That when light showed up, darkness had to flee. Man, Jesus didn't want there to be multiple windows. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which means you don't get your own window. Everybody shout opinions. You can have as many opinions as you want about McDonald's. You can have as many opinions as you want about uh, about our city. You can have as many opinions as you want about elected officials. You can have as many opinions as you want on Facebook or Twitter. But you and I are not allotted opinions about God's word or God's truth. Amen. This whole world. And, and Well, why are you talking about that, Pastor? We're all in church. Well, because our world's propagating a lie that says you just got to speak your truth. You just got to look through your window. Well, you, 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 aren't, you aren't talking to me according to my truth. Now your, your identity, your gender is now based on my truth. It's not based on truth. It's not based on facts. It's based on my window. So in other words, you have to talk to me through my window. you got to express to me through my window. And and the church has got to understand that this is dangerous amen because eventually it'll start permeating its way into the church maybe not through the aspect of gender but it'll start being where people come to church and they're lovers of their own selves amen they have itching ears and they want somebody to tell them what they want to hear and they come to church and they want the church to change the way the church is to match the way the world is I want you to change the ark to match what I want to hear, preacher. I want you to change the church to match what I think, what my opinion is. Amen. But that's not how this works. The church does not change to align itself to the world. The world must align itself with the church. Well, pastor, can't we just fit in with everybody else? You go ahead and build as many windows on your ark as you want, but when the rain descends and the floods come, you're going to sink. You can't allow there to be other opinions. you got to just let there be one word. The Bible says, let God be true and every other man be a liar. If it comes down to it, I hope I hope that you and I can align with the truth, but if I have to choose between the truth of God's word and your opinion, I choose God's word. If I hope it never happens, and I'm going to say this so everybody can understand me. My pastor said it, and I'll say it to you as your pastor. Amen. I hope it never comes down to the whether or not you got aligned with God's word or my opinion. But if it ever does, you better choose God's word. Because if heaven, the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall never pass away. The Bible says of itself the grass withers, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. I want to tell you, church, we've got a perfect window to look through. It's the word of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is why it's so important to come to Bible study, because if not, you'll just you'll go with any 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 slick car salesman that gets up behind a pulpit and tells you whatever you want to hear. But you don't need to go with whatever whatever I say, huh? Amen. If I'm not aligned with the word of God, you don't go off what I say. You go off what the word says. This is why the Bible says we must seek out our own salvation with fear and trembling. This is why the Bible says of itself that it is the engrafted, engraved word of God which is able to save your soul. Amen. If we go based on opinions or personalities, we'll be led astray because there's going to be somebody that's going to come along with a lot better personality, but they're not speaking truth. And there's going to be somebody that comes along with, with some nice quip or some nice f- phrase or slogan, and you'll think maybe this is truth. But if you're not grounded in the Word of God, you'll go by every wind of doctrine. Hallelujah. And, so if, and, and I hope the day never comes. I mean, I, I try my best to be grounded in the Word of God. Uh, and, and everything I say, everything I preach, I try to prove it with the word of the Lord. But if the day ever comes where I'm not lining up with the word of God, two things. Number one, talk to me about it. Because maybe we just have a difference of understanding. And if it's not that, if it's a doctrinal where it, I'm not preaching the word of God, vote with your feet, get your family and run for your life. You missed your opportunity to clap on that one. Amen. Run for your life. Amen. I, I love my pastor, but if my pastor ever stops preaching apostolic doctrine and lifestyle, I'm running. I'm running. Because I'm not I'm not saved by a man, I'm saved by the word of God. Amen. And so God said there's gonna be one window. This is detailed, one avenue of revelation, one avenue of 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 the wind and the spirit flowing into the building. And i got, I got something that you can take and you can put in your pocket. When it comes to the church, you don't get to choose who comes. We, we don't get to choose what animals get on the ark. Hallelujah. I thank God he didn't leave this animal out of the ark. Amen. And says our name's Ark. Amen. A-R-C. Amen. We don't get to choose, well, I don't like this type of person. Well, get over it. They're coming on the ark. Hallelujah. Well, I don't like them, and I don't like Well, I don't know about this. And, you know, somebody asked a question. One of the questions I got uh, didn't really have anything to do with the Bible study. But somebody was talking about in their question was, you know, what if I what if I don't get along with people in the church? Well, I got one one phrase for you. Welcome to the ark. Welcome to the church. If you are looking for a place where everybody's just like you, you will never find that in the church. In fact, you won't find that at the bowling alley. You won't find that at at, at Bullies Sports Bar. You won't find that at the ball game. You won't find that anywhere there's people. Amen. You'll never be in a place where everybody looks like you, talks like you, thinks like you. Welcome to the ark. Welcome to the church. You're going to have people of all differences of backgrounds, socioeconomic status. You're going to have people with different education levels. Welcome to the church of the living God. Where the door is open as long as you want to get on the boat, welcome to the church. So I got I got something for you. That one window was there to whether or not you wanted, you, you could choose. You could look out. If you ever got tired of the boat, you could always look out the window. If you ever get tired of the church, just look out the windows. You, you have a choice to make. Do you want to be in the stink or do you want to be in the storm? Amen. Do you want to be in a place where maybe you don't always get along with the person that's sitting on the chair next to you? Or do you want to be lost like everybody else in this world? Uh, Amen. I want to tell you, my worst day in the church, in the ark, is still better than my best day in the world, period. You may not feel like that, but I feel like that. My worst day in church is still better than my best day being lost. My worst day for living for Jesus is still better than my best day not living for Jesus. Uh, My worst day being saved is still better than my best day being lost. Uh, It might stink in the church, but I'm glad to be in the church. Uh, It may not always feel good in the boat, but I'm glad to be in the boat. It could be a lot worse for your marriage. It could be a lot worse for your family. Thank God for the ark. Thank God for the boat. Thank. I think we ought to give him praise. Amen. If we, don't, if we don't keep our thankfulness for what God has done for us, we'll lose it. If we don't thank God for being saved, we might lose our salvation because we start treating it like it's no big deal. But thanks be to God that he chose to put you in the boat and he chose to put me in the boat. You got to choose. You want the stink or the storm? Amen. You want to be in church or you want to be lost with everybody else? Amen. The world out there is drowning. Well, they've got this and they've got that and they can do this and they can do that. Amen. If I see one more person that becomes a celebrity that everybody looks up to and and, and I don't glory in it, but I see them just completely collapse. What you're seeing is when the storm finally comes, amen, their life was not founded upon the rock, Jesus Christ, and everything collapses and everything crumbles. And there's people, no doubt, in Noah's day that maybe thought, I'll just take myself a little sailboat and I'll be okay. And there's some people that maybe while they're on the ark waiting for the, for the rain to finally get up to the height of the ark, they're looking out the window and maybe Noah's sons are thinking, man, I, I sure would like to be out there with my friends and I'd like to be out there with other people and I, I, I would like to get out of the boat. But all of a sudden, when that water started rising, uh, something happened to them where they realized, I'm blessed to, to be in the boat. You're blessed to be saved. Hey, Amen. I I don't know where, where somebody got off thinking, man, I'm, it's miserable being saved. Hey, you need to change your mentality. This is the greatest life you could ever live. I'm not saying everything's perfect. and, and In fact, it's not. And anybody told you that when you get in church, everything's going to be perfect, they lied to you. You're going to get in arguments with people. People are going to offend you. But welcome to the boat. Amen. But being in the boat is the most important thing you could ever do for your family. And being saved is the most important thing you could ever do in your eternity. So stay on the boat. Amen. So let's talk about who was in the ark. The Bible says eight people and there were animals. I got a question. How many of each animal did you let on the boat? Uh, somebody got it. Seven and two. Seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal. Now I could preach and talk about a whole sermon there. This is before the law, so they didn't know what was a clean animal wasn't what was an unclean animal. The only way they knew is God brought them the right amounts. Amen. And that goes all the way back to evangelism. God brings what He brings, and well, we need our church to be perfectly holy. Amen. You you don't know much about people, do you? Well, we need our church. You need a pastor. You need to get on to them to tell them to line up. Well, if you're an electrician, I'm not going to tell you how to do electrician work. I don't know how to do it. Amen. My job's a pastor. Let me pastor. You do the electrician work. Amen. Dealing with people is very messy. And God brings all sorts of people to the church, people with all sorts of problems. So if you're looking for a place where everybody's perfect, you will never find it as long as you are here on earth. Amen. It is not until you get to heaven. And here's the beautiful thing about when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, you're going to be there with the same people you were in church with. Hallelujah. Amen. You're not going to be there with a completely different group. It's going to be the people that got on the boat with you. They might have gotten on the boat in a different city, in a different church that preached the truth, but they still got on the boat, and you're going to be sitting there next to Brother So-and-so. You might as well get along with them here on earth because you're going to worship with them over there. <laughs> Woo. I came to teach, but I feel the preach in me. Amen. Because this is where church gets messy. Hallelujah. Amen. Church gets really messy because people get offended over little things. You know, one of the best ways to have a revival church is to become offense proof. In your own heart, you can't deal with anybody else. But to become offense proof, the Bible says, blessed are they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Listen, you are going to bother me and I'm going to bother you. You might offend me and I'm I'm probably going to offend you. But I have chosen in my life, I'm not going to hold on to my bitterness or my offense against you. I'm going to be merciful to you. I'm going to think maybe they're having a bad day. I'm going to be gracious to you, and I hope that the same is said of me. Amen. That's how we work this thing together. That's how families stay together. That's how marriages stay together. That's how churches stay together. Amen. It's not that everything's always perfect and happy and everything's always clean. Amen. There's times where it's messy. There's times where it stinks. There's times where you want to quit. But at the same time, if you just keep having mercy one for another and forgiving one another and loving one another and lifting one another up and building one another, you can stay in the ark. You can stay in the boat. Amen. And it keeps the church moving forward. Amen. I'm going to step off my soapbox. But but Noah was told, you got to take all these animals. Amen. It's going to rain for 40 days and for 40 nights. So he has to take provision. God made sure that there was provision for the vision. And the Bible says, if you turn your Bible, Genesis 6 and 22. Thus did Noah according to some, according to what he thought was best, according to his opinion, according to what he cherry-picked from the Scriptures. No. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And verse number 5 of chapter 7. And Noah did according to all. Everybody shout all. Well, I just don't want to do that. I don't agree with this. I don't want to do that. He did all that the Lord commanded him. Complete obedience is necessary for salvation. As we talk about with grace, grace is a teacher, but grace must be obeyed. What grace teaches you must be obeyed. Let's talk about this for a moment. Notice There was one window and there was one door. John 10 and 9, if you want to write it down, you can read it later. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Amen. You have to go in through the door called Jesus. There is no other way. You've got to obey what Jesus said. And we've talked about it, and I'm going to talk about it till it gets in our bones. Except a man is born of water and of spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. The only way you get in Jesus Christ is you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How do you get in Jesus? Romans chapter 6 says we are buried with him through baptism." The only way you get in Jesus, you gotta be born of the water. But here's the other way you get in Jesus. You need Jesus to get in you. You gotta receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So who went on the ark? There was eight. But the true story is only those that went in through the door. Nobody could sneak in another way. Jesus said if anybody tries to come in any other way than through me, through the door, they're a thief and a robber. Amen. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You just got to get that in your mind. It doesn't matter what your professor says. There's only one way to be saved. It doesn't matter what your grandma tells you. There's only one way to be saved. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Not two, not three, not five, not six. Not everybody's idea. Amen. One God and Father above all, through all, and in us all. Amen. There's only one. Only one way in. You got to go in through Jesus. If you want to get into heaven, you got to go through Jesus. Amen. The only ones that got in are those that went through the door. And the and they went through the covenant of God. He says you're going to enter in this. This is the covenant I'm going to make. If you will build this ark and you will enter in through the door, I'm going to save your family. Amen. So those that are in covenant with God are those that are able to make it into the ark. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. And as you're turning there, I just want to make a, another notation. When God cares about details, he cares about everything. He said you build one window, one door. You, you have to also make it of a certain type of wood. And I, I love this. It's very important to point out. He says you got to pitch it within and without. Right? You've got to seal it up. With pitch, which would be uh, like like concrete, like cement, it's it's made of tree sap, and it's to seal it. You got to seal it on the inside and on the outside. Let me just talk to everybody that says, "Well, God only cares about my heart." If Noah would have only pitched the inside of his ark, what would have happened when the rain fell? It would have sunk because it wasn't properly sealed. All right, let's talk to the Pharisee that says, well, pastor, I lined up to all of the things and I look right. And and I look right, but you're as mean as a junkyard dog. <laughs> and, you, and you aren't forgiving and you're bitter and you don't love nobody. Amen. Let me ask you a question. If Noah would have only pitched it on the outside, so as, as far as everybody else that looked at them thought everything was okay, what would have happened to the ark? It would have sunk. Hallelujah. That right there, I just preached to you holiness. Holiness on the inside, holiness on the outside. Jesus said, if you clean the inside of the cup, the outside will be cleaned as well. You start with the heart. You start on the inside, but it doesn't stay on the inside. God makes sure you get the inside cleaned out and the inside sealed and the inside taken care of. But then God will start showing you some things that you need to change on the outside. I need to stop dressing like that. I, I need to stop talking like that. I, I need to stop going here and going there. I need to stop watching that. I need to stop listening to those people. What is that? That's holiness sealing you on the inside and on the outside because God cares about the details. And everybody said amen. Well, Pastor never preached on holiness. There you go. I just preach on holiness. Amen. Holiness will make you dress right. Amen. Holiness will make you dress right, but it'll also make you live right. Amen. It'll be on the inside and the outside. Hallelujah. So, so for those that say, well, I just need one. No, you need both. God cares about it all. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, going back to covenant with God. Which sometimes we're disobedient when once the long suffering of God. Waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing. Amen. Notice God's long-suffering nature, his merciful nature. God waited until Noah got the boat done. Well, when was God going to cause it to rain? When Noah got the boat done. Amen. God was waiting. God's, and I've said this last week, God is not looking for a way to throw you into hell. He doesn't need an excuse. Amen. Our sin is a big enough excuse. It's a big, big enough offense against God. Amen. God's not looking for a reason to send you to hell. He's actually being long-suffering and patient for us. He's actually, well, well, you need to, you know what, I, you need to do this, you need to do that. Just be patient with people. Because God is more patient than we are. Amen. And God is being patient with us. Amen. God is working on us. He is waiting on us. Amen. God is being so patient that when he looks down on Noah, he realizes, Noah, you got a couple more weeks left. I'm going to wait. And God is actually waiting for some people to get things right before he he starts working in a certain area in their life. So, So be encouraged. God is not looking to see you lost. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Number one, I believe God was waiting for Noah to finish the boat. That's number one. But number two, the Bible does say, amen, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Amen. Noah was building. Everybody say building. And simultaneously while he's building, Noah's preaching. Everybody say preaching. Preaching. Well, pastor, uh, when I get the pulpit, I'll preach. You don't need a pulpit to preach. Go find your coworker and tell them about Jesus. Amen. I've done better preaching um, across a table drinking some coffee than I ever have behind a pulpit. I've done my greatest preaching and teaching, amen, when it was just a couple people, amen, where there wasn't a lot of fanfare than I ever have behind a pulpit in front of a th- couple thousand people. I want to tell you, when we get one-on-one with people, we've got to build. Everybody say build. you got to build your life right. you got to build it according to the way God has told you to. But don't just say, well, I built my boat perfectly perfectly. It's perfect. It's all done. Amen. Noah was building, and on his off time, he was preaching. Amen. Church, we got to build a strong church. We got to build a holy church. We got to build the church the way God has intended it. But for heaven's sake, we got to tell somebody about Jesus. It's not enough to have a beautiful church. We got to fill people. Amen. We got to fill the beautiful church. It's not enough to have a beautiful ark and a beautiful boat. Amen. Where it's fully decorated. Amen. That boat was meant to save souls. Amen. Church, we can't just have beautiful music. We can't just dress nice. But we got to go out and tell somebody, you got to get in the boat. It's my belief that God would have kicked the giraffe off the ark if one more person would want to get on. He'd have booted the armadillo off. Amen. Amen. The aardvark. He'd have knocked him out. Said, get off the boat. Amen. I'm pretty certain Noah's sons, they weren't going to get on. And so God kicked the unicorn off. Amen. (laughs) To make room for a couple more people. You know, uh, God, God is looking to save people. God is looking to save people. And, And you know what? Saved people look to save people. Amen. When you realize and you recognize the fire that you came out of, you want to there's something in you that should, should rise up and say, I, I better go in there and get somebody else out of that. Even The Bible says, of some having compassion, pulling them out of the fire. Amen. I preach you holiness, evangelism. What else we got out of Noah? Praise God. I've got so many notes here. Amen. Let's continue on in 1 Peter chapter 3. God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was up preparing, wherein few. Not the will of God that there was few. That is just the result. There were few. So I, re- I reject and refute the idea that the church should be us four and no more. Amen. It's not God's will that any should perish. Well, you know, I, I know some people that the re- you know when their churches are not growing, they immediately say, well, you know, only eight souls were saved by water. It was just Lot and his daughters that made it out. You know, and they always like to quote the verse when there's a, uh, there's a lot of people missing from church. You know, if two or three are gathered together in his name. And they use that for an excuse why there's nobody in the church. I want to tell you uh, that, that, that we as long as we're doing our job, there will be people come to the boat. And if you look around and you're tired, of, and I, I, I promise you this, I get tired of seeing empty chairs. But I never look and say, well, brother, so-and-so better do something about that. Sister, so-and-so better get up. No, I go grab myself some church cards and I go knock some doors. Amen, because I want to see every seat filled. I want to be able to put out chairs. I want to see if, if, the, if, if the boat, amen, gets filled up, I believe God will give us another boat. If the church gets filled up, well, when's it going to happen, Pastor? I want to tell you when it's going to happen. When we fill up this boat, God can't help but bless us with another one. But if we're busy just enjoying, amen, the extra space on this one, we might be here a while. But if we hurry up and fill up this boat, amen, I want to tell you, the treasure's in the field, the coin is in the fish's mouth, and if we'll get out there and do something... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If we'll get out there and tell somebody about Jesus, build and preach, build and preach, build and preach, God will fill up the boat. Somebody said amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Eight souls were saved by water. Here's, here's the theological point. The like figure where unto even baptism doth also now save us. Well, baptism doesn't save you. I've actually read that verse to somebody, and they've said that exact phrase. Baptism doesn't save you. Let's read that again. The like figure, so the typology of Noah's Ark, is the New Testament equivalent of baptism. Being immersed in water in the name of Jesus. There's no other way of looking at this. Being born again of the water. And he literally says, Peter speaking, the guy that preached Pentecost, and if you're Catholic, the first Pope. He got up and he said, the like figure. Noah's Ark was just a typology of baptism. And let me ask you a question. If Noah would have never got on the Ark, what would have happened to his family? They would have died. They would have drowned. They would have been lost. And the Bible says baptism now saves us. Well, I don't think I need to be baptized to be saved. Well, then you're going to have to refute Jesus. You're going to have to refute Peter. You're going to have to refute Philip, you're going to have to refute John. You're going to have to refute uh, the entire writings of the Apostle Paul. You might as well throw the New Testament out because Peter said it. Paul said it. John said it. Jesus said it. Philip said it. All of Samaria obeyed it. The Gentiles obeyed it. The Jews on the day of Pentecost obeyed it. The eunuch from Ethiopia obeyed it. Even the sorcerer obeyed it. You gotta be baptized to be saved. You gotta be baptized to be saved. You gotta be baptized to be saved. You can't get into heaven without being born of the water. You gotta be immersed. You gotta be immersed in Jesus' name. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give God some praise. How does it save us? That's another question. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, it's not taking a bath. We don't give you dove soap. Amen. It is the answer of a good conscience towards God. In our denominational world would say it's an outward expression of an inward faith. That is an outward lie of an inward devil. Amen. Yeah. Ain't expressing nothing. When you get baptized, the Bible says it's for the remission of your sins. Everybody in the church ought to know this, and, and what well, I've heard this before. You need to hear it again. You need to hear it until you start preaching it. You need to hear it until you start telling somebody else about it. You can't be saved without being baptized. Well, what about Grandma? Grandma needs to be baptized. What about Grandpa? Grandpa needs to be baptized. What about the denominal preacher? The denominal preacher needs to be baptized. In Jesus' name, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must, not could, not should, must be saved. Oh, somebody ought to stand and clap your hands under the Lord all across this building somebody give him some praise if you've already been to the water if you've already been baptized you ought to shout and give him praise thank you for the baptism amen of water in Jesus name thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost thank you somebody clap and give him praise hallelujah I don't think I need to be baptized yes you do Man, I debated with my grandmother until her dying day. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I wish she would have. But I wasn't going to back up on what the word of God said, regardless of their theological beliefs, because the Bible is true. Amen. Don't be rude about it. Don't be mean about it. But tell them in love. If Let me just ask you a question. If my house was on fire, would you at least knock on my door? Would you? Would you tell me? If if I if, if I had a if I had an arrow sticking out of my neck, would you at least tell me, let alone take me to the doctor? Church, I want to tell you the world's on fire. We need to tell them. Yeah, woo. There's more than arrows hanging out their neck. We need to take them to church. We need to take them to the baptismal waters. We need to. Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah, amen. There's some folks I've, I'm working on. I've been working on for the last several years. There's some that are that are represented by family members. I keep getting on them every time I see them. When are you going to be baptized? <laughs> you know what? I don't if I annoy you into heaven, you'll thank me. But if I just avoid you until you go to hell, you'll hate me. Amen. It's better to be an annoying, loud preacher than a quiet one that just ignores you and lets you go to hell. I want to tell you, if you, if I had a tumor on my neck, amen, I'd never go to a doctor that said, you're fine. You're good. It's all good. You're you're just go home and just have a good day. No, I I would, I would want to figure out, I I want to go to a church or a doctor that would tell me there's something wrong with you. You need to get it fixed. And the only way you get sin fixed is you got to be baptized in Jesus' name, and it washes all your sins away. Paul and Jesus and Peter, everybody said it. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and he was a typology that you got to be baptized to be saved. Eight people, though, let's talk about that. Eight people out of the entire world well, everybody else can't be wrong. Well, well you know, Pastor, you know, we, we're averaging anywhere from 65 to 100, depending on the service. And there's a couple churches down the road that, man, they, they're running a couple hundred. And if you go to other states, there's some churches running tens of thousands. They, they can't all be wrong. If you're not preaching the truth, I don't care how many people, how many circus clowns you got. Amen. You're not saved. You've got to obey the truth. Amen. Just because a church is big doesn't mean that all its members are going to heaven. And let me just say, that goes for the apostolic church as well. Praise God. Noah and his sons and his wives and his son's wives all got into the ark. And in one moment, when the rain began to fall, everybody that made fun of Noah, for all those years, started reconsidering. You know the problem with this? That, you know, and and let me ask you a question. Who shut the door? God shut the door. That means you don't shut the door on your family. God shuts the door. You know when it's over is when it's over. You know when it's too late? When it's too late. And we don't determine when it's over. And we don't determine when it's too late. We just keep the door open. And we keep preaching righteousness. And we keep building the boat the way God called us to build it. And the doors are open wide. But you don't get in any other way. You got to get on the boat. Noah and his family and I love what Hebrews 11 says you can read it at another time that Noah by faith Noah being moved with fear built an ark to the saving of his household I really want to save the world I wish I could I wish I could save the whole world but I really want to save my family I want to save my wife. And I want to save my future children. I want to save everybody in this church. And if we will build the boat right and get on the boat and tell everybody else about the boat. Noah lived in such a way that his sons got on the boat and his future daughter-in-laws who came in years later got on the boat. I got a question for us here tonight as we close. How are you building the boat that God has called you to build? And how are you preaching the message that God has called you to preach? Is it the type of boat that will save your family? Is it the type of lifestyle and message that will save your family? I think it's important for us to think about that. Lift up your hands all across this building. I'm done. I've got a lot more I could say. God, help us to build according to your word, not according to our opinions, not according to anything else, the philosophy of man. God, help us to build it in a way where we will glorify you and that, God, when you split the skies, we're living according to your word. I want to invite you down to this altar. Would you come and pray? Everyone's got a life that they're living for the Lord and you've got to figure out if you're not building it right or if you've been building it your own way, amen, I want to encourage you to come back to the Word of God today, to come back to the altar today and pray that God would help you to build it according to the Word of the Lord. Amen, if you're not living right, it's a great opportunity to come and repent. If you could honestly say, I'm not getting on the boat right now, and I'm not on the boat right now, but I want to be, you can come down to the front, you can repent, and you can say, God, I want to get on the boat. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit, or you cannot enter. Amen. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Come on, would you come down to the front and pray? I believe God wants to save us, but grace has appeared, and we've got to obey what grace has said. Uh, you got to get, if you're not in church, uh, if you're not in the Father's house, if you're not living right, tonight is a great opportunity to say, God, uh, amen, show me what I need to do. God, show me where I need to obey. Uh, God, show me what I, show me what it's going to take, God. Maybe you're missing a couple boards, and the grace of God is being long-suffering with you. But he's saying you need to get those boards in place, or your family's going to be lost. Uh, Sir, if you don't get those boards in place, amen, if you don't get rid of that that website, if you don't get rid of what you do late at night when nobody's watching you, you're going to be lost, and your family's going to sink. But you can get rid of it tonight. Come on, all across this building, build the boat right. Build the boat according to the Word of God. Build your family, get them saved, preach the truth, live the truth, live what you say, live what you believe, be be an epistle seen and read of all men.
1: I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach was far too wide. From the far side of the chasm, you held me Come in on. your side. Hallelujah.
0: Let's lift our hands all across this building. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's magnify the Lord. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Brother and sister, mother, father, young person, keep building and keep preaching. Hallelujah. Keep building and keep believing. Hallelujah. 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 church has always been considered different, peculiar. And I see far too many, even of our own churches, that have taken the corporate model. Let's just fit in with everybody else. And I don't think we should be weird just to be weird. (laughs) Don't be different just to be different. We've already got enough things that make us different. You know, well pastor, why don't we have these weird standards, because that's weird. We don't do that. (laughs) We already got some things people might think are weird, but they're at least based in the Word of God. Amen. Amen. But we got to embrace being different. Let's just own it. We're an apostolic church. Let's own it. We're boat-building people. Amen. We're trying to build something that will float. And, and you know, when we get to heaven, there's not one of us that's going to get there and St. Peter's going to be there, as all the jokes say. And he's going to look at you and say, did you know you could have done all those things that you didn't do? And did you know you could have watched this? You could have gone there. You could have dressed this way. All of that. You know, you really didn't have to go to church all that much. There's not one of us that's going to kick St. Peter and say, man, I wish I could go back and do it differently. Noah gets to heaven and St. Peter says, you know, you really didn't have to build it that way. You could have just jimmy-rigged it and, you know, just put a couple logs together and you guys would have made it just fine and there's, Noah wouldn't have just kicked St. Peter and said man you mean I wasted all that time doing it the way that I felt God tell me to do it but if you get to the gates the judgment seat of Christ and you didn't have a preacher tell you what the word of God said and you didn't go to a church that built the boat the way God said to build the boat And you get there, and all of a sudden they say, You are not entering the kingdom of heaven. You will be mad for all of eternity. If you go and they tell you, You don't need to be baptized, and you get there, and they say, Well, the Word of God said you had to be baptized, you're denied entry. You will be eternally angry weeping, and gnashing of teeth. This is why we build the boat the way we build the boat. Pastor, is all that necessary? You know, I, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Did it didn't really matter? We'll see. But I'd rather be too far pitching on the inside, the outside, the upside, the downside, than to go on the other side and miss out. This is why it's important. You go to a boat-building church. You go to an apostolic church. You go to a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching, Bible-living, Bible 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 church. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a hand-clap of praise. One more time, would you lift up your hands all across this building? Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. Noah might have been made fun of God, but he built that boat and it saved his family, God. He might have been a little different, but, Lord, it saved his family, Lord. And, God, I pray help us as apostolic believers to lean in to our difference and to lean in, amen, to what makes us distinct, God, and to just just live it, God, and just accept it and hold on to it and cherish it, God, because we're trying to build a boat, hallelujah, according to the word of the Lord. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to build it well and to build it right. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.